Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. I want to talk to you briefly about something that is relevant to what we have begun to experience. And I pray that we would experience it the more. But it's a question. You ready for the question? What is the difference between praise and worship? What is the difference between praise and worship? There's a very simple answer that we all could give, but I want us to search some scripture. Given the limitation of time, we won't be able to go all the way to the bottom, but we can go deep enough that we'll get understanding. What is the difference between praise and worship? And just to set a context and understand it, we're gonna go to the very first book that was written, the book of Job. Moses wrote Job before he wrote Genesis. And I believe it's in part because there's some things in the book of Job that begins before the earth began. And when God gave Moses the revelation of Genesis, it's a deep revelation. Moses had to record things that were never recorded. You can't document that which came before Adam coming out of the dust. So God showed Moses things before anything was here, from when the earth earth was void and full of darkness, Moses saw that. God said, I'm gonna let you look behind me and see some things. And out of that, in the book of Job, there's some, some insights about both praise and worship. So we're gonna use that as a foundational text, but we're gonna go and we'll go from there. In the first chapter of Job, we won't put it up, I just wanna speak this in your hearing. When the sons of God, which are angels, and that is clarified in Revelation, I'll give you the address of that later in the message, were presenting themselves before God Satan was among them. Satan was among them. This is significant. And I'll tell you why as we develop this message. And God said, where have you been? He said, walking up and down in the earth, going to and fro. And Peter warned us that our adversary, the devil, is walking about on the earth, seeking whom he may devour. There's something that you'll see clearly before I'm done, that God is seeking something and the devil is seeking something. And they're both seeking it in you and me. Are you with me? But God said, have you considered my servant Job? He's an upright man, he eschews evil. You would think if God is pleased with Job, Why would he invite the devil into his life? Because he knows he can trust him. From the beginning, the devil has opposed God. He was the one who led praise. 
He was the son of the morning. He was the one who got lifted up in pride and decided, I want to be like God. I'm not satisfied praising God. Somebody ought to praise me. And the angels who were in the presence of God before Adam was ever created, do you know that a third part of them, and I'll give you the address of this also, followed Satan, the dragon, from heaven to earth. And they're still plaguing humankind. But I want you to know that we've got a refuge. But I don't want to get away from the question, what is the difference between praise and worship? Let me read Job first, and then we're going to answer that question. It won't take long. Job 38 verses 4 through 7. Job 38, verses 4 through 7. Job had been in his feelings. Does anybody know what that's like? Have you ever been in your feelings? Well, he was in his feelings because he had went through a lot. But he didn't know that God was testifying of his faithfulness. I wonder what would have happened if he knew that God in the, the face of the devil was speaking about his faithfulness. Saying there's nobody like him in the earth. If we only knew what God thought about us, we would approach our troubles differently. We would praise God in times when people think we ought to be sad because I know what's on his mind. I know he's got me on his mind. But as Job had lost everything, he began to curse the day that he was born. He began to question God, and he had friends who were miserable comforters, Pastor Drew. They were miserable. At a time he needed comfort, they're like, Job, you know you sin. Nobody can go through what you're going through if you haven't done something. Why don't you just confess it? So in uh, chapter 38, God had heard enough. And you read the whole chapter as nothing but questions. He starts bombarding him with questions. It even goes into chapter 39. And after God is done, Job said, I put my hand over my mouth. I abhor myself. He said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. He said, I won't speak again. And then Job said, I have heard about you with the hearing, but now my eyes have seen you. That brought him to repentance. May we see God in a fresh way when we understand the difference between praise and worship. It says this, where were you when I laid the, found, the earth's foundation? You know so much. Where were you on that day? Tell me if you understand. He didn't say, if you know. I know you weren't there. I know you don't know, Job. But if you even understand it, tell me. And then he goes on, verse 39. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know who stretched a measuring line across it. You got so much to say. Surely you know this. Who put the measuring line? 
Who's the one who put the measuring line between the earth and the sea and said to the sea, you can't cross over? It doesn't make sense that the earth is 75% water and we don't all drown, but it's because God stretched out a line and said, you may not cross over. He said, surely you know that, Job. Let's go to the next verse, because I can get caught up in this thing in a minute. And what were its footings set? And who laid its cornerstones? Does the earth have a footing? It's in the middle of nowhere. But God said, stay there. But God is saying, there's some stuff you don't understand. There's a footing. There's something holding it together. And it's the same thing that can hold you and me together when it looks like it's the word of God. God told it to stay there, it has to stay there. When I feel broken down, God remind me that you can hold me together just like you hold the earth together. It's standing on nothing, but every day the sun rises in the east and sets in the west and the, the earth continues to revolve. God, the sun is 93 million miles from the earth and it never gets closer. It might get hotter, but it never gets closer because you commanded it. And when you command a thing in my life, if you can do all of that, my God, what can you do for those who were created in your image and your likeness? Everybody ought to praise the Lord. Let's go to the next verse. While the morning stars sang together. See, there was a time, sis, that they were together. But then an enemy crept in. Whenever we are together, the devil sends chaos agents. It's not in the form of flesh and blood, but they use flesh and blood. And what they want to release is a ball of confusion to distract us. They want us to be confused. They want things to come in through a portal. See, there's a portal in heaven and there's a portal in hell. A portal gives access to stuff. And too many times we fall prey to demonic portals. Unbeknownst, Jews said it this way, an enemy has crept in unaware into your feast, but it's time to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. That's why God told me to tell you, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You can't stop him from coming, but you can stop him from staying. He'll, he's gonna flee from us. He's gonna flee from us. It says, when the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. The morning stars, the angels. The good news is when the sun of the morning fell, Lucifer was lifted up in pride and fell. There was a bright and morning star who came to take his place. It's the same Lamb of God. Jesus is the bright and the morning star. He's now leading praise. 
He's now leading worship. And you cannot, don't you know that when, when Jesus was led in the wilderness by the devil, that the last thing the devil tried to do is to get him to fall down and worship him because he knows what God desires most is intimacy, and intimacy is through worship. He said, if you would just worship me, I'll give you all this stuff. You don't have to die on the cross. You don't have to suffer agony. And that's what the devil presents to all of us. If he did it to Jesus, come on. Thank you for finishing that. He will do it to you. And the, the sting that breaks God's heart is sometimes those he loves fall for it. Some of the most popular people in the world today have millions following them. And the demonic portals are obvious. But it sounds good because it's soulish. You, listen to, you can listen to some things that impact you spiritually and it makes you feel some kind of way. But it doesn't impact your spirit, it impacts your soul. It's soulish. There's even a genre, which I'm not saying in and of itself is all evil, but there's a genre called soul music because it touches your soul. But what God is looking for is in the spirit. I'm talking about the regenerated spirit, and I'm talking about the spirit of God. That's undefiled. So what I want to establish in this, in the foundation, is that God talks about to Job about what happened before humankind was created. And he said, in that period, there was singing. There was already praise going on. So God created praise before he created us. God created worship before he created us. I'm gonna give you a clue and it's obvious. If worship was already going on before Adam was formed out of the ground and the serpent was there in the garden when Adam and Eve fell and he caused them to be separated from God, which is what he wants for all of us. That's what he wants because he's like, okay, you kick me out because of what I did, and you created them, I want to show you that they're not worthy of this. I'm going to get them. And you send me to Job, it's because you put a hedge of protection around. See, God, the devil doesn't want us protected because he, I can't touch him. You let me touch him, and you watch what he did, does. He'll curse you to his face. There are conversations in heaven about you and me. It's not just in the Bible. God is revealing to us what happens in the heavenly. But I don't want to get away from the point of the difference between praise and worship. We're going somewhere with this. Praise, so if praise and worship was before any being other than the heavenly beings, and when they were insufficient in doing it, not all of them, but a third of them, and God said, I'm going to create in my image and likeness those who will worship me. Who will worship me. Worship is sacred. 
Worship is God's idea. But what about praise? Let's look at Psalm, a very familiar verse, but hopefully through new eyes. Psalm 150 and 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What that means, every, everybody is included in everything, but it's not, inclu it's not um, only inclusive of everybody, it's everything. The birds praise it. You listen in the morning, they never miss a melody. The fish have a different language, but they praise God. And we know they obey, and when Jonah disobeyed, the fish didn't disobey. When God said swallow him, he swallowed him. When God said let him go, he let him go. But the prophet was running away from God. But God has a way to bringing us to ourselves. Because before Jonah, this, this wasn't a part of it, but I believe God has something for someone. When Jonah, after he was running and he was in the bottom, he talked about all the mountains that went over him. He gave us a, a, a look at what's under the sea. And then he said, I looked again. I looked again. And he began to cry out to God. When he repented, he said, let him go. Whatever is holding you, when you look again and turn to God, he'll say, loose them and let them go. Somebody needs to hear that. But praise is for everybody. Praise is for everybody. Who's qualified to praise God? Everybody. Who ought to praise the Lord? Everybody. Now, does that mean there's no standard? Doesn't mean that. It means everybody ought to praise the Lord. If you have breath, you ought to praise him. So the people in your family who are the biggest sinners you know, don't get mad at them if they're praising the Lord. Praise them with them because let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Does everything that has breath praise them? Yes, they ought to, but do they? Do they? I don't see everybody praising them. I don't know if I should ask this question. See, some of y'all emboldened me. Does everybody in the church praise the Lord? So here, let's start talking about the difference. See, praise is an outward expression. You can't praise without opening your mouth. Like, there are times, I promise you, when I would walk down the halls of corporate America and I would be singing, not like a madman, not out loud, but enough for my spirit to rejoice. And people who would walk by would have a pleasant exchange because it does something to your countenance. Praise, the Bible says praise is comely. It's attractive. It makes you more attractive. And the atmosphere around you, mean people become nice. So there's something about praise that's good for you. It makes you feel better. If you just sing unto the Lord a new song, 
it'll do something for you. It doesn't matter how you sound, but the melodies in heaven are right when your heart is right. So everybody ought to praise the Lord, but it's an outward expression. Worship is an inward thing. It can escape to the outside, but as praise is, everybody is called to praise, but not everybody. Not everybody is in a, push, a position to worship. The prophet Amos, the prophet Amos said to the people of God, the people of Israel, which is a type of the church, stop your noise. They had offered their sacrifices, they were singing, he said, stop your noise and your singing before me. I will not receive it. I will noise. In the building, it sounds good. But in heaven, it's noise for the note takers. You'll find that in Amos 5 and 23. I was talking about the soulish thing. It sounds good might even make you feel good because the soul is the place of your emotions. But heaven is saying it's noise because worship means my life has to line up. See, praise, it doesn't matter. I can live a raggedy life and praise God because everything that has breath, the only thing I need to qualify is breath. But worship is different. So you remember the devil was walking about, seeking whom he may de devour? John 4 and 23. John 4 and 23. I don't know why every time I get up to preach or teach, time moves faster. It's slow when I'm by myself, but when I get in front of the people of God, it moves faster. John 4 and 23, yet a time is coming and has now. It's a, isn't it interesting, Jesus' words? It's coming and it's now. I wish somebody would get that. It's coming and it's now. See, that's it. In God's mind, that which is coming is already now. You ought to say that out to yourself. The things that are coming are now. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers, the true worshipers, see now he's delineating. Praise is everybody who has breath. Now it's a different time. True worshipers, Worship will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. See, the enemy is walking around seeking whom he may devour. God is walking around seeking true worshipers. I want you to think about this just for a minute. A God who sees everything, 
A God who knows everything, a God who's omnipresent is seeking worshipers. He's seeking. He's looking at every heart. Oh, there's a worshiper. He's seeking a, that's a singer, but that's not a worshiper. That's a person who's praying, but that's not a worshiper. That's a person who confesses me, but that's not a worshiper. He's seeking that. True worshipers. Worship is a posture. Worship is intimacy with God. There are people who will serve God their whole life, and he'll say, I never knew you. I never knew you. And they're telling them their resume. I never knew you because they were never deep intimate. They never became a worshiper. Worship is not just about song. Do you know Job, when he lost his 10 children and he lost all his wealth, the Bible says he worshiped. There wasn't one instrument. There wasn't one singer. He bowed down. He threw ashes on himself and worshiped. And his wife said, you are foolish. You, what are you doing? Why don't you curse God and die? He said, you sound like a foolish woman. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. The other thing about worship is perspective. The right perspective. Praise doesn't cause anything other than open your mouth and release the breath in your lungs towards God. But worship requires reflection on the God. That's why when I hear, now behold the Lamb, it stirs something in you. That's why when I hear Emmanuel, it causes me to weep because I'm saying, God with us. God with us. See, those are not just words. It's a declaration. God with us. When he was, before Je Jesus was in Mary's womb, the angel declared that he's Emmanuel. God with us. And when we sing Emmanuel, that ought to stir something in your spirit. See, that's where worship comes from, the spirit. And then there's true worship. The only way I can worship God in truth is my life has to be aligned. If I worship God and my life is misaligned, it could be in my spirit, but it's not in truth. It's got to be in spirit and truth. And Jesus is the truth. His word is truth. If, if I don't align with his word, I'm out of the truth. So it becomes noise. It doesn't matter how good it sounds. I'm talking about the ones he's seeking, true worshipers. So another difference between praise and worship is alignment with God. It's right standing with God. Does that mean that you and I have to be perfect every day of our life? It does mean we have to be in right standing. That means you have to be sensitive to the spirit so that if I step here, and I'm supposed to step here, the minute I step here, I feel conviction, guess what I do? Get right back here. If I'm supposed to step here, when I, when I'm, when, if I step here when I'm supposed to step here, when I'm here, the moment I get here, I sense that conviction, step. Not enough misalignment for the enemy to get in. But when I'm supposed to step here and I'm here, and I stay here, so let's say this. 
this is the wrong direction. And I go from here to here, and I settle in, and I take my seat. You know what I'm like? I'm like a leaf that's been plucked from a vine. For a few days it looks green, but eventually it withers. And the longer I stay here, and I'm not worshiping the God of creation with my life, the harder it is for me to find my way back. Because over here was just one step. So now, Elder, I go back and I take a step. Mm, but I'm supposed to be over there. You know how many steps it takes to get back? Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> and is this the spot? I think so. Look, that's why we have to be sensitive to him. Because those who are true worshipers, in an instant, you run back to him. You get back to him. So here's what God is saying. My children, I need you to hear this, says the Lord. It's not about perfection. It's about purity. He said, because to the pure, all things are pure. And the way you stay pure is by staying in my son. Staying in my son. Don't let a moment pass where you are outside of him. Don't you remember him saying, abide in me and I in you? You can ask what you will. God is saying to his people, abide. Abide. So that's where I want to take my seat. And abide in him. And say, I shall not. I shall not be moved like a tree standing by the waters. I shall not be moved. But the enemy of our soul is trying to seduce us and trying to move us away and trying to get us to be satisfied with counterfeits and not the real thing. But we're going to be a people who worship God in spirit and in truth. And see, praise and worship are both necessary. They're God's idea. It's not, this is not a tradition. But praise and worship are not limited to the walls of the church. I would to God that every time an LCT group gets together, they would praise God and they would worship God to create an atmosphere that's not just intellectual joy, but that's full of the spirit. Because that's when God speaks. That's when the scripture comes alive. That's when God works. I one example, I love visiting with the samples. For one thing, I know I'm gonna eat, and probably too much. Not probably, I'm gonna eat too much. And I'm gonna take some with me. Beautiful spirit of hospitality, but it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. I've been in settings with their family. One time I remember vividly at Shalana's house, and before any ribs were served, before any chicken, and you can smell it, any baked lasagna, it's all smelling good, but then we begin to worship. And it's people from all different churches, 
And I'm talking about good worship. We begin to go in. People, we're in the house. Folks shouting. People singing. We're clapping their hands. I'm talking about true worship where you forget about the food. And I understand what Job says, what he means when he says, I desire the word from your mouth more than my necessary food. Worship is like that. When you begin to worship, you can fast longer because you now have the presence of God that strengthens you. It does something inside of you. We ought to create atmospheres everywhere we go where we worship. At the prayer stations, it ought to begin with worship because you know what it does? When people come, they sense that. They sense the presence of God in a way that's palpable. It's not just words, it's something that compels them. So what is the difference between praise and worship? Praise is for everybody. Worship is for a select few. And in God's economy, a few is many. Every one of us could be among the few. You know, the Bible says, broad is the way that leads to destruction. But what? Narrow is the way that leads to life. Which one do you want, Broadway or Straight Street? Everybody didn't say it. That means some of y'all like, some of y'all like funky Broadway. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm gonna close with this. I asked the choir to stay because I wanna close with this. And maybe someday in 2024, early 2024, in Bible study, we'll go deeper on this. I promise you the addresses. I want you to look at Revelations 12. Write this in your notes. Revelations 12, verses 3 and 4, and verse 9. And then I want you to read Revelations 14. I'm gonna, after I read this, Tim, then I want us to sing Emmanuel, and then we'll do the altar call, because I want us to engage in worship. Revelations 14, six through seven reads. We're not gonna put it on the screen. I want you to hear it, but then I want you to read it later. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. In the beginning in heaven, it was praise. When time winds up, it's going to be worship. That's why I want to be a worshiper, to prepare myself for heaven. See, praise didn't work out because people were drawn away. The devil took a third of the angels. I don't know how many billions of the angels, but the third that went with him, they are foolish because now they are doomed to destruction. But you and I, are fallen people in a fallen world, and he redeemed us. That's worthy of praise. 
that ought to make us worship him. The angels have no redemption. We've got a song that the angels can sing, I've been redeemed. Let's sing Emmanuel and say, we worship you. Would everybody stand on your feet and demonstrate the difference between praise and worship in your mortal body?
of you. If you're online, you can text to Decision. If today you've decided to make Jesus your choice, text to 215-440-6610. And one last time, if you're in this building and you want to fellowship with us or you want to give your life to him, this is your moment. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. His blood, he shed his blood just for you. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.